OK Guard Show. I'm Staff Sergeant Brian Schroeder, and today we are coming to you via video teleconference in an effort to do our part to reduce the spread of COVID-19 by practicing our social distancing. We still want to bring you informative and entertaining content about the Oklahoma National Guard, but in a way that protects ourselves as well as our guests from the global pandemic. Today, we bring you the second of three episodes in a series on how to make sure you, your family, and your social distancing partners can maintain a healthy mindset while we are all collectively trying to survive in the time of COVID-19. For our second episode titled Reframing Thought Creep, we sit down with Oklahoma National Guard Behavioral Health Specialist John Dixon, who explains what thought creep means, how we can identify its creepiness, and what we can do to avoid or prevent thought creep when many of us have a lot of free time for thoughts to start creeping in. Welcome to a, another edition of maintaining mental health through this uh, time of COVID-19 that we're all seem to be experiencing. Uh, today, we're going to talk about refraining. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about reframing thought creep. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean creeping around like a creeper, or maybe it does. <laughs> I don't know. So let's bring on our very special guest today. Uh, his name is John Dixon. John, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do for the Oklahoma National Guard. Sure. Um, as you mentioned, my name is John Dixon. I am one of the three behavioral health specialists uh, here with the Army National Guard. I've been working in mental health for about 15 years, ever since I finished graduate school here wow. in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And I've been in this position uh, for just over six years now. So I'm the longest tenured person uh, doing this kind of work. That does mean that I have had three different job titles during this time. However, the actual job that I've been doing has been the same. Uh, okay. The behavioral health specialists, we act kind of as a resource managers for anyone in the force and also their loved ones. If someone's having an issue in regards to anything about their psychological health, well-being, they can contact us and we will help connect them with assistance uh, for their specific problem. We also provide educational and consultation services to help people as we find that a little early redirection has a tendency to prevent more significant problems from developing. Now, is this specifically for the Oklahoma Army National Guard, or can the Air National Guard and their families take advantage of your services as well? Anybody can. We actually have somebody with a slightly different job title who does exactly what we do on the Air Guard side. Okay. So since we have two Air Guard units here in Oklahoma, uh, the fighter wing here in Tulsa, and then the, I think it's a support wing or something like that or uh, special operations wing. wing there you go special operations yeah. <laughs> wing in oklahoma city they each have what they call a director of psychological health that does almost the same job as we do and we have very good working relationships with them so i've had people from the air guard call me and i put them in touch with the person the rep over there and in the other way as well also to add in we've had uh people who were in the navy reserves or marine reserves or any other or maybe who are at an active base and they need support or help, they can still reach out to us and we will definitely help them. So we find ourselves in the time of COVID-19 where everybody's lives seem to be changing. Um, 
certain things have halted, certain things have been put on pause. Uh, our ability to live life the way that we were experiencing normal is no longer normal. With any type of change that people experience comes, excuse me, comes with a little bit of anxiety, maybe some unassuredness of what's really going to happen down the line, especially when there is no uh, particular end in sight. If you can look and say, okay, well, I'm fasting and this is only a 30 day fast, so I can get through that 30 days. You have an end in sight so you can just get through. With this, it's kind of unexpected. So with that in mind, what is thought creep? Is it simply just an unwanted thought that kind of wanders into your brain or is it something a little bit more than that? It can be as simple as that. It's kind of just a term that gets used to describe any sort of pattern of mental repetition that's either unwelcome or bothersome to the individual. Okay. Uh, often it's been associated with mental illnesses, specifically anxiety, depression, uh, but it can happen even in a person who's in excellent mental health. Uh, we all do it from time to time and times of elevated stress are what tend to trigger it. And obviously you, you brought it up. That seems to be the biggest stressor in people's lives right now. Not only sure the pandemic itself, but then also the response to it and how that's changing our day-to-day -day lives. When thought creep is happening, an idea comes to mind and it's generally negative in terms of, it's not something that makes you feel good. It's usually something that's making you feel bad. And then it starts to grow and it can start to dominate what you think about. In other words, taking up more and more of your time and it starts to impact your work, maybe your personal conversations, or even your relaxation time, time that's supposed to be happy and fun, this thought keeps coming to mind. You explained a little bit about how thought creep, how it, how it manifests, how it can just come into your mind unexpectedly, you said, during times of stress. Is it more dangerous to have thought creep or to, to have those thoughts creep in your head now versus before this pandemic? I think it, it may be more dangerous. It's definitely more prevalent at, at a time like this. Okay. Um, there's a famous American psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow, and he has a theory that's pretty popular. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Uh, the gist of it is that the first and most basic level are things like safety, food, water, shelter. And if those needs aren't being met, then it's impossible for us to attend to our higher order needs like uh, belongingness, love, and self-actualization. So it's really no surprise at a time where you feel like those basic needs are at risk that those type of thoughts become a priority so if you hear that it might be difficult to get your hands on bottled water or you may have changes to what your shelter situation is or where you can go or what your finances are your mind is automatically going to go to taking care of those things first and it might be at the expense of your total happiness and satisfaction as a person 
So it's kind of a necessary thing that your your brain is going to go that way, but it can become problematic because even after those needs get met, you can continue focusing on being worried and scared and overwhelmed by what if, like you talked about with the whole unending proposition is we can all say, well, I've definitely got enough toilet paper for this week, or I've definitely got enough toilet paper for the next month. But at some point you got to be like, well, what if there's no more toilet paper (laughs) ever again? So it's just uh, our minds can get running away with us when we start down that path. Okay. So the people that have started hoarding these types of supplies, the toilet paper, masks, gloves, meat, uh, just the random things. Are those, do you think, based out of fear? Is it anxiety? Uh, Or are these just those thoughts that are creeping into their mind, scaring them, but having all of those things makes them feel safe? Yeah, it's a combination of both. Uh, There is, uh, there's, justified reasons for why they're telling you to to do some of these things but the panic that exists across the board for everybody starts to influence us individually so as soon as somebody says oh there's not going to be any more of this or you should be ready for that it starts to become a problem because there is enough to go around (laughs) if we all were taking reasonable amounts but then the one person who feels they have to have 14 pallets of bottled water <laughs> starts making it hard for somebody else to get a hold of those resources. It's definitely not wrong or bad to have some preparedness, but always taking a step back and examining, am I being prepared or, you know, at, at some point there has to be a limit to what you can actually prepare for and saying, okay, I've done the best that I can. And now what do I do? How do I live my life? What is our body trying to tell us when we get these creeping thoughts that make us feel uncomfortable or anxious or unsettled? So the body and the mind are, are linked in very powerful ways. Um, a lot of times people think of it just in the sense that your mind tells your body what to do. Like my brain's the boss and my body has to obey. That's the, that's the relationship that most of us are very comfortable with. Right. So it's no surprise that if you're worried and uh, anxious about what's going on in the world right now, that you would experience physical symptoms based on that. You would start to maybe have increased heart rate or get sweaty or palm, clammy palms, any of the things that you've experienced when you're riding a roller coaster or um, uh, giving a public speech maybe. So that's very common. The thing that people don't, rea- people don't realize in the opposite sense is the effect and the condition of your body will impact your mind. So if you're not attending to your body's needs appropriately, that will start changing how you think. So people get stressed out and then they're taking all this time thinking about their stress and they're not attending to their body. And before you know it, their body starts breaking down and that starts making their thinking go bad. So it's a, it's a circle that goes around and around. The example that I always like to use is they did this amazing study where they had people walk around and smile for five minutes at a time. Not because they were happy, they just had to smile. They were like forced to smile. Go smile at those people. Go walk around here smiling. You got to smile the whole time. 
And at the end of the study, what they found out is that people felt better afterwards. So just the simple act of using those muscles in your face tricks your brain into thinking you're happier than you really are or were before you did that exercise. So that's how that, that connection goes back and forth. And we have to keep in mind not just how our brains are working in regards to thought creep, we also need to attend to our bodies and making sure those are in the best health possible to have good thoughts. So it kind of leads me to my next question. What should be avoided if we are feeling those negative thoughts creep in or a better question, not which, which, what should we avoid? What should we do if we notice these negative thoughts starting to creep in? Absolutely. The first thing you want to do is check on your basic needs. Are you hydrated? Are you fed? Uh, look at ways to improve your rest or sleep. Maybe that's as simple as taking a cat nap or thinking about, hey, I've only been getting four hours of sleep. Let's make that four and a half. <laughs> or or <laughs> just attend to those basic needs first. And I know you might not be able to do that in the moment, but you can look at that pattern and say, if I'm having problems with my thinking, what can I do some things that will change? The other part is recognizing the things that you may want to avoid if you're struggling with thought creep. So sometimes people might be tempted at a time like this to use an illicit substance or abuse alcohol in order to change the way they feel. In other words, they say, well, if I were high or drunk, I at least would feel different than I'm feeling right now. Sure. The problem with that is a lot of those substances are either a nervous system stimulant or a nervous system depressant. And that might lead to you actually having more increased rapid thoughts that are negative in nature or could lead to added hopelessness, which is not good either. So it's really about if, you, if you're starting to notice those things, take care of yourself. Do the things that are always listed. You know, when you go to your doctor's office, you go to a primary care physician, they say like, do these things, eat more fruits and vegetables, <laughs> sleep eight hours a day, do that stuff and avoid the stuff that is maybe maybe not always damaging, but less healthy. Okay. In terms so of habits. Recognize those signs when your body is telling you or your mind starts to creep into negative thoughts, recognize that that's happening to address it, but not through pushing it further aside by drinking right. or participating in any other substances that may block Correct. your your cognition at the time not avoiding the problem but working on healthy habits that will help with the problem okay and i think now most people have a little bit more free time on their hands because they're at home so that gives you a little bit of time to work on those things absolutely and that's self-improvement <laughs> so that's good that's good okay so talk to me about reframing thought creep. So what, what does that mean? We've defined what thought creep is, how it can come in, how we can recognize it. How do we reframe that? So uh, for me, when I think of reframing it, it's just employing different strategies that are ways of minimizing the negative effects and might help you to channel that energy into helpful ways. So there's nothing wrong with having negative thoughts or being worried or concerned about what's going on in your life. That's the very first thing. It's like sometimes people will say, oh, well, I'm bad or there's something wrong with me because I'm having that. And I say, no, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with you. It's what's going to come out of this. 
you know, what are you going to make of this? So reframing okay. is about that idea of recognizing there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not a bad person. I have this. What do I do about it? And the reframing is something that I'll talk to you a little further about when we come to strategies on how to reframe. Okay. So how can we, we talked a little bit about identifying, you know, your, the sweaty palms, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling that I like the analogy you used of giving a, a public speech, mm -hmm. everybody can relate to those types of feelings that manifest in your body during that time. Um, what, what is it about those things that make us feel that way? And why do our minds creep towards specific things uh, on an individual basis? And this is even outside of the COVID. I think everybody collectively has that um, maybe rational, maybe sometimes irrational fear that comes with not knowing what's going to happen in the future. But what about in our, in our just daily lives and those negative thoughts that creep in daily? Yeah. Fears are our body's way and our mind's way of protecting us. So they almost all start in a place of rationality. Even if it's not rational in the moment that we're in right now, it's rational in the greater sense of humanity. So the example that we always come back to is the caveman and his response to seeing the saber-toothed tiger. He's either going to fight, flight, or freeze. So the idea is you go and attack it, you kill it, you win and you're safe, you get away from it and you're safe, or you hold still, play dead, whatever, it loses interest, it moves on and you're safe. So okay. that, that initial response is something that's very safe and productive and it's, it's the way that we've stayed existent as a species as long as we have. The problem is, is most of our modern day stressors don't exist in the same way that a saber toothed tiger does. Even in this, uh, probably the, the biggest crisis of at least our era, for sure our time right now, it, that the threat isn't something that's, you know, uh, there's not a virus hanging out in my backyard and if I can get away from it, I'm fine. <laughs> it's out there in the world and I have no idea how long I have to avoid it. And even if I do get it, it's not necessarily meaning death. It might mean I just get a little sick or I have to go get some treatment or whatever. But it's this fear that's sustained over long periods of time that's very damaged to our, for both our minds and our bodies. So our whole approach to it has to change. And that's where we get into that higher level of thinking, which is the rationality of all this. Uh, taking that energy and saying, okay, I'm worried about this. That's okay. What are things I can do? What, how do I identify the things that are in my control that I can do something about? And how do I identify the things that are out of my control and there's nothing I can do about it? And when I identify something that I can do, I do it. And when I recognize there's something that's out of my control, I have to be willing to let that go and say, that's not in my control, which is a very hard and challenging thing to do, I understand. But that's where yes. we have to, have to go through all that process. Ideally, hopefully you could do that by yourself, but if not, there's lots of people around you who can help talk through some of that and help you identify what are the rational and irrational parts of those thoughts. So when we do realize that negative thoughts are creeping in and we can feel the weight coming in, we can feel the palms getting sweaty and the butterflies in the stomach, how do we... 
how do we pull ourselves out of that? The easy out is, which is something that we discussed earlier, probably shouldn't do. I'll just have a couple beers and that'll clean the slate and then I'll come back, but you're still going to be in the same hole tomorrow when you come back. Yeah. When we're in that hole and we realize I'm here, what can we use as a lifeline to pull us out? I'll kind of approach it from two different areas. Okay. First of all is uh, trying to identify the problem or the issue that's at hand. Uh, taking any type of a thought inventory, making lists, uh, writing in a journal can be very helpful for identifying this. Paying attention to what subjects are coming up repetitively throughout your day, in your conversations, any specific theme or general thread between them can serve as a clue to the real issue that you might be facing. It could be as simple as we said, the COVID ID, uh, sorry, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, or it could be something greater about how you view yourself, uh, what your worth is, whether or not you're an essential, right? Like that's the term that's getting thrown around. There might be something deeper behind all this. This could be connecting to trauma from your past. Um, once you identify what the source of this thinking is and the, the bad feeling that you're having, it's much easier to target your strategies. Going on into some strategies, I wanted to outline just a few. There are many sure. more than this, but I'll give you three of them. Uh, these three are something that is very easy to employ and I will try to explain it as basically as I can. Number one, surrounding yourself with positive people. I know that that could be challenging right now due to social distancing rules. However, uh, social distancing doesn't apply to people who are in your household. So if there's somebody in your household or your inner sphere, or if you in a, are in a workplace where you're still going to work, if there's a coworker, a peer, a friend that you have that you feel like is in general uplifting or positive, spend more time with that person and avoid the person who's generally negative, complaining, pessimistic. It's very, we are who we surround ourselves with. So if you say to yourself, I don't have anybody positive in my life, then I'm gonna tell you this is the time to make a new friend, <laughs> to, I, to find some people who can um, you know, give you some good news, give you some hope, because that's a very important uh, skill for this time. Number two, making a list of things that you're grateful for. I like to start with three, but I will not limit anybody from enlisting as many things as they would like. Being thankful helps to refocus your brain on optimistic rather than pessimistic complaining. It may get dire or difficult to do so, but there's almost always something to view in a, in a, in a brighter sense. At least we live in a country where we have indoor plumbing and running water, you know, feel free to use that one. <laughs> because there's, it doesn't matter what, how bad this situation gets, there could be a worse, worst case scenario. And if you can identify ways and things that you're thankful for, the existence that we live in a post-internet world and we have the ability to telecommute for so many people, have friends and family stay in contact through alternate ways, uh, there are some amazing things that we have access to that we need to be thankful for and focus on instead of those 
thought creep. And number three is putting it in perspective. All of us, no matter how old you are or what kind of life you've had, have dealt with challenges or difficulties in your past. And you can look back on those challenges and think about how did I get through that situation? Were there things, skills, resources that I use that help me? And if so, how can I employ those again? And then also you can look back and you can say, man, last time I went through a divorce, uh, a death of a family member, uh, having uh, missing out on a, a promotion at work, I decided to spend the first three months feeling sorry for myself and drinking too much. And you can say to yourself, wow, I don't want to waste that time again in something that slowed that process and didn't get me through the challenges quickly. I want to identify the things that did help and get through those as quickly as possible and deal with this situation using the tool of perspective. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, um, the self-doubt, self-hatred, maybe some self-denial those are all factors that could have been in place before our current living restrictions. Um, what impact does that play on thought creep? And if you are a person that's more prone to depressive thoughts, does thought creep happen more often than a, than a person that, that is not as susceptible to depression? Yeah. Any of the ways that a person is hard on themselves, critical beats themselves up, is sure to increase thought creep. The easiest way to combat that is to help someone else. It has been shown in repeated studies that if you assist another human being, you will start to feel better about yourself. So it could be as simple as sending a quick text to check in on somebody or asking if there's anything you could do to help a family member or a neighbor say, hey, I, I'm going on my grocery run for the week. Is there anything I could pick you up while I'm there? Or say, hey, I'm getting out and I'm going to mow my yard. Can I mow your yard for you? You know what I'm saying? There's lots of ways that you can offer to help. And right now, people need more help than ever before. If you're blessed to be able to do that in a financial sense by giving to the Red Cross or helping obtain medical supplies for a facility, that's other great ways to do it. Um, in regards to who should expect this and if people who are clinically depressed have it more, it's probably a more familiar phenomenon for anybody who's been diagnosed with uh, clinical depression, clinical anxiety, but I think it's important. I view mental health as a spectrum and we are all on that spectrum. So if I were to say, let's say there's a scale of one equals no depression and 10 equals the most depressed person in the world. We as clinicians pick a random number. We'll call it a six or a seven. And we say, once you're a six or a seven, you have the diagnosis of depression. But guess what? If you're a five, you're right on the doorstep of that. And if you're an eight, you're in worse shape than somebody who's at a six who's also depressed, right? Meeting that sort of guideline. None of us are completely safe from thought creep or depressive thoughts or anxiety. 
at some point in our lives, many of us will meet criteria for at least one mental diagnosis. But if we are able to cope with it, if we're able to find ways to manage it, if we're able to catch it early, we can prevent more serious problems that last much longer and much more difficult to, to treat. So if you find yourself in a situation where thought creep is starting to bother you and you're thinking, man, I feel anxious most of the time, or I'm having trouble getting my work done and my relationships are falling apart, I'd much rather you say, hey, is there a book I can read? Is there a, a family member I can talk to? Is there a professional who I can go receive some talk therapy from? Catch it at that state, make some changes behaviorally, get it under control, and never get to the point where we're clinically depressed. Some really great information. It's really, really good and really beneficial for what we're currently experiencing. And I know that, you know, with our current safer at home conditions that we're all as Oklahomans uh, trying to live by, it's not possible to meet with friends and family like we could before. We could sit down over a cup of coffee over lunch and, and talk about what's really troubling us. Uh, what are some best ways to approach friends or loved ones that are showing maybe some of these signs that maybe some negative thoughts are creeping in their head? Maybe they're not being themselves as of late. Uh, they're not calling, texting as much. What are some ways we can do, even if we're experiencing that ourselves, what are some things we can do to help reach out to ourselves or reach out to others to get help? Yeah. Asking questions is always the key. Uh, I've joked many times before that being a licensed professional counselor by myself just means you get really good at asking questions and listening. <laughs> that, that's the skill set that's needed, whether we're talking about for yourself or for a family member or friend or coworker or whatever. Starting out as simple as saying, how are you doing, right? And about 90, 95% of the time, the person's just going to say fine. And if you don't say anything else, that's the end of the conversation. That does not mean that 90 to 95% of the time people are fine. It just means they know that that's a polite phrase. And it doesn't mean anything other than how you doing uh, right. and moving on with my day. Really explore how the current pandemic or the safer at home guidelines are impacting their daily work, personal life, ask them what they miss or what sort of activities they have been engaging in now that they're living in this altered world. Let others know that you're there to support them and willing to just listen, right? Use skills like paraphrasing. Say, I think this is what you're saying. And I think you're saying that it does bother you that you haven't been able to uh, go visit your parents or your grandparents like you had planned on or take that trip or whatever. And if possible, try to use video chat services like FaceTime, Google Duo, or like us today using Zoom, right? Uh, the reason that I always encourage people to increase the amount of the types of interaction they have, text or email is a basic level, which is good. It's better than nothing. Phone calls are better because now I can hear the tone in somebody's voice, right? There's a right. big difference between somebody saying, I'm fine, and I'm fine, right? 
But right. in a text, that reads the exact same way unless they use a great emoji. <laughs> so uh, then once we get video involved, now I can actually see. I can see their face. I can see their facial expressions. I can see their body language. I can see the surrounding they're in. You know, if it looks like World War III behind them, you might be thinking, I don't, I'm not buying that they're fine. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> things are out of control. It doesn't look like they've showered in a week. Sure. So use that, use those skills, use those um, technology that's available to keep in contact and just be willing to keep asking the question. So even if you've checked on them and they said they were fine, but you were suspicious, maybe they're not doing fine, keep checking in. Call more frequently than you ever did before. If we or any of our loved ones, uh, if we're checking on them, we're checking on ourselves, and we're not able to reach those people, what are some other resources that are available for guardsmen, guard women, their families to take advantage of? And also, are they available to our listeners that aren't in the military? Okay. Um, every single situation is different in terms of what specific need is uh, going on. And I always like to give the best resource for, for every specific situation. And really, the only way to do that is to contact me. And I, I welcome that. That's that's what my job is. So <laughs> I'm still that's here great. for that, whether or not that's I'm great. teleworking or back at the office at some point in the future. Uh, I will make my email accessible. Anybody can contact me there anytime, and I'll be happy to reach out to you in whatever way you are accessible. You could also go to the Oklahoma National Guard website or the application and fill out the Critical Behavioral Health Incident Report. And that can be for yourself, or you can fill it out on anyone else that you have worries or concerns about. And that, that confidential piece of information just comes to our psychological health team. It's five people. And uh, we you know, assign somebody to follow up with that information, make contact with you, make contact with the person in question, and do our best to figure out what's going on and do what we can in contacting with resources. So Another will option. that will that go to my chain of command? No. If I if I fill out that incident report. Nope. Chain of command has no knowledge of any of that sort of stuff. It is literally the psychological health uh, team. Um, hypothetically, if somebody contacted us and they told us that they were at risk of suicide currently, they were in a dangerous situation where they can't keep themselves safe. Once we have contacted them, or once we have tried to contact them, we would notify someone, um, either a, a crisis outreach team, a local police department, to go to the location where we were heard they were at. So that is the only information we would disclose, is that if, if, it, if it's a matter of life and death, we'll try to get somebody on the scene. So okay. uh, outside of that, uh, our our contact with us is always confidential up to the point okay. that that person wants it. You know, sometimes somebody says, I'm having this big problem and I want you to talk to my command about what I'm struggling with and why I'm not going to be there. So that's a different situation. But no, we don't just release information willy nilly or email it okay. to everybody who happens to have camo on that day. Good to know. Good to know. Um, other resources. Um, 
for the military community is obviously the military one source, uh, whether you contact them through their 1-800 number or their website, they can put you in contact, whether it be over the phone or whenever we return to being able to go places with some free counseling sessions that they have uh, through their system. So that's a, a great additional resource for anybody in the military community. Um, I personally focus primarily on the service members, their families, and veterans. However, if you were to shoot me an email or give me a call or fill out one of those forms on the app, which anybody can access, I'll still contact you and put you in contact with uh, providers uh, that might be able to assist you or try to help you out. Here in Oklahoma, you also have access to the 211 helpline. There's a, there's a network in the Tulsa area and Oklahoma City area, but they cover the whole state. The call centers are located in those areas and they can give you information on all kinds of different providers, not just mental health. If you've got a question about something wild, where to find the fire extinguisher help, they probably help you out with that. <laughs> they, they seem to know about anything on those lines. Um, another one for anybody is if you were in a crisis situation or a loved one's in a crisis situation where it's come to the point where suicide is on your mind, uh, you're thinking that that's the only solution you have left, there's always the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 as a great resource as well. All right. Lots of really good resources that you're putting out there, John. We appreciate it. Um, final question here. What positive outcomes do you see uh, from this COVID-19 experience that has changed all of our lives? I do believe there's going to be some positive impacts coming out of all of this. In general, humans, myself included, take for granted the things that they grow accustomed to. After this is over, I think I will be so grateful for the first chance to attend church, a social party, or even an educational conference in a way I never have before. Um, <laughs> Looking forward to those educational conferences. That's, <laughs> Absolutely. That's how you know you're in deep. <laughs> in addition, I hope we'll all recognize how important social connections are and foster better communications during these restrictions and carry on those habits when the world returns to normal. I know, ironically, my family doesn't live here in Oklahoma. They're kind of spread out across the states. And I've had more contact with them just in the past couple of weeks using uh, video chats and things like that and uh, text chains than we were in the six months prior. So I know for myself, I'd like to keep up those habits, uh, keep up those connections because we forget about it. You get busy with everything else and you make other things priorities. And then when something like this happens, you realize what the priorities are. And I think we're all recognizing, you know, that assuring the safety and security of ourselves, our direct family members, our extended family members, and even our friends is what really matters and what we uh, need to be focused on now and forever. Very well put. Very well said. John Dixon, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, these resources and this information uh, about thought creep. Uh, I found two quotes from two different actors I'd like to share. And 
Give me your opinion on how that relates to thought creep. So I'll read both of them. First one is from Matthew McConaughey. It says, a creep is someone who claims he's one thing, but he's actually another. The other is from Diane Cannon. She said, even when there are times that we're not happy, happiness will creep in. So two kind of very different definitions of the word creep, but one positive, one negative. Uh, Give us a quick summary of what you think of those quotes and how that pertains to thought creep like we spoke I think they're both true. (laughs) I think that kind of as I had talked about earlier, those negative thoughts, they find your soft spots, your insecurities, and amplify. It doesn't matter. We all have things that we're sensitive to or bother us, and any sort of external stressor will latch on to those and only amplify if we let it. That's the negative creeping in. The positive thing has more to do with those that social connection and doing the things that make you feel good. Um, find a new hobby. Uh, pick up a project that you've said, you know, I'm, I never have time for that. You've got the time now. Engage in those positive things, the things that make you feel worthwhile, the things that give you a purpose or a sense of well-being. Uh, finding those things and living it out and then talking to other people about it. If you're passionate about something, it is the easiest way to get an audience involved, even if it's not something they're passionate about. They will hear your passion, and it is exciting. Uh, Encourage the people around you. When you're being grateful and focusing on the good things, share that with somebody else because they need it right now. 100% we all do. We're all in the same boat with this thing, and encouraging each other is is a great way that we can all, all benefit So thank you again, John, for joining us and uh, good luck. Happy health. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Uh, I've enjoyed it and uh, look forward to everybody seeing everyone in person again someday soon. Yes. Not seeing pixelated people will be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Thanks, John. All right. Have a good one. You too. The OK Guard Show is produced by the Oklahoma National Guard Public Affairs Office. Any mention of products or brands does not imply endorsement. All guests on the show are volunteers in an effort to inform and educate members of the Oklahoma National Guard, their families, retirees, potential recruits, and the community.